إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we've been talking about the Iman in the Day of Judgment, and we talked about the signs of the hour, and then we moved on to the punishment of the grave and the blessings of the grave and the trial of the grave. So on that point, we had mentioned a little bit about death, And so we said that this week, inshallah, we would mention a little bit about the janaiz, about death and about the janazah and those issues that occur at the moment of death. Firstly, as Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentions, Al-Mawtu laysa ma'anahu al-fana. Death does not mean that something comes to an end. Death isn't the end. إِنَّمَا هُوَ مُفَارَقَةُ الرُّوحِ لِلْجَسَدِ Rather it is the separation of the soul from the body. The separation of the soul from the body, that is what is termed as death. When the soul leaves the body, that is death. The soul itself never dies. The soul exits from a person. And the soul lives. The soul does not die. So the soul is with you in this world. Then you die. Meaning the soul comes out of your body. Your body is dead. And the soul is with your body again in the barzakh. And the soul is with your body again in the afterlife. So the soul just moves from one place to the next. The soul just moves from one place to the next. Whereas the body is the one that becomes motionless and dead, as you may want to call it. But the soul does not die itself. فَالْرُوح تَبْقَى وَلَا تَفْنَى والجسد قد يتحلل ويصير رفاتا وترابا وقد يبقى أيضا The body itself may deteriorate away. Nothing is left of the body. Itself the body may deteriorate away. But the soul does not die and the soul does not come to an end. It's mentioned in a narration how the body of the person can deteriorate away. And of course when you are buried, that body deteriorates away. Nothing is left of it except that one backbone from the bottom of the backbone. لَيْسَ مِنَ الْإِنسَانِ شَيْءٌ إِلَّا يَبْلَى إِلَّا عَظْمًا وَاحِدًا وَهُوَ عَجْبُ الذَّنْبِ Just that bottom bone of the backbone, that is what remains. But everything else from the body of the person will eventually slowly deteriorate away until there is nothing left of that person. But the point is, the soul does not die. There are various narrations the Prophet ﷺ mentioned regarding death. Uh, some of those are mentioned by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar in Bulugh al-Maram. One of those is the hadith of Abu Hurairah. رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أكثروا ذكر هاذم اللذات الموت The Prophet ﷺ said, Remember the destroyer of desires often. And what is it that destroys the desires and nullifies your desires? 
then it is death. So in this hadith, we are being told to remember that thing which will get rid of and cut off all of your desires. And that is death itself. Death is the one that brings an end to you following after your desires and what your soul wishes for. That death comes and the soul separates from the body, then you are no more upon this earth. So in this narration we are being advised and reminded that a person needs to remember death often. A person needs to think about his end result often. Because that remembrance is something which will help a person and aid a person upon being upright and not being wasteful with his life. And that is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, كُنْتُ قَدْ نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ زِيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ That I used to prevent you from visiting the graveyards. أَلَا فَزُورُوهَا فَإِنَّهَا تُذَكِّرُكُمَ الْآخِرَةِ But then the Prophet sallallahu said, but rather go and visit the graveyards now. You can visit the graveyards because they remind you of death. And that is certainly for the men and for the women. Some of the scholars say it is not permissible to go at all. And other scholars, they say women can go to the graveyard if it is on the odd occasion now and again, not regularly. But going there, it is a reminder of death. It is a reminder of death so that a person then remembers and begins to prepare. In another narration, hadith of Anas radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la yatamannayanna ahadukumul mawt lidhurrin yanzilu bih. None of you should wish for death because of something difficult or bad or harm which has happened to you. None of you should wish for death because of something difficult which has happened to you. مِن ضُرٍ يَنزِلُ بِهِ ضُرٍ فِي بَدَنِهِ مِن مَرَضٍ For example, some disease, some illness overcomes you. أَوْ ضُرٍ فِي مَالِهِ أَوْ فِي أَهْلِهِ or some difficulty and calamity happens to you in your wealth or in your family. So whomsoever is afflicted with difficulties and calamities of this nature, this narration which is in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim says, do not start wishing for death because of some difficulty that overcomes you. Rather upon you is as-sabr wal-ihtisab. To be patient and seek your reward with Allah. وَلَا يَجُوزْ لَهُ يَتَمَنَّ الْمَوْتِ And it is not permissible for that person to desire and to wish for death. لِأَنَّ حَيَاتَهُ خَيْرٌ لَهُ Because your life is better for you. إِنْ كَانَ فِي عَمَلٍ صَالِحٍ فَإِنَّهُ يَزْدَادٍ You spend your life in righteous actions and that will be better for you. The longer you live, if you spend it all in righteous good deeds, that is something good for you. But if you've been doing sins, then as long as you're alive, you have opportunity to repent. You have opportunity to seek forgiveness. But if death comes to you, after that there is no more tawbah. When death comes to you, there is no more seeking forgiveness. You cannot be forgiven then. You need to seek forgiveness for your sins and your wrongdoings before death comes upon you. So the fact that you're alive is good for you. You can either use that time in obedience and worship to Allah even more, or you can as well as that use that time on top to seek forgiveness and make tawbah for the sins you've been doing, so that eventually when death does come to you, you die upon some form of purity. So this hadith, Therefore tells us that it is not permissible to wish for death. 
And if somebody really had to wish for something, then the hadith says, in that case, say, Allahumma ahyini ma kanat al-hayatu khayran li, wa tawafani idha kanat al-wafatu khayran li. Oh Allah, keep me alive as long as life is better for me. And place upon me death if death becomes better for me and life is no longer better for me. So you make a dua by leaving that affair under the decree of Allah. That oh Allah, decree upon me the life as long as the life is good for me. And decree upon me the death if death is better for me. But you don't just make a dua because of some calamity or difficulty saying how people say upon their ignorance he wishes he was dead. And all of these types of statements people make, that is not permissible and it is not the way of the Muslim. Similarly, the hadith of Buraida, radiyallahu anhu, عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال المؤمن يموت بعرق الجبين that a Muslim, he dies with sweat upon his forehead. The meaning of this is that when a person dies, when a Muslim dies, then there will be difficulty upon him at the point of death. And that difficulty which he experiences at the moment of death can be a means of expiation of sins. So that upon death and after death, he is now upon a more purified state due to having gone through that difficulty in those final moments prior to death. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ لِلْمَوْتِ لَسَكَرَاتٍ Indeed, death has its, its hardships, its difficulties, its pains. إِنَّ لِلْمَوْتِ لَسَكَرَاتٍ So no doubt a believer may experience that difficulty at death as a means of expiating his sins so that he is pure thereafter. That is one meaning of this narration that a believer dies with sweat on his forehead. Another meaning of it is that this is referring to the fact that a believer strives in this world, breaking sweat, striving after the halal rizq, striving after that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for him, striving for his rizq, so the sweat it breaks from his forehead. The believer does not be like a beggar, asking the people and begging from the people. Rather, he strives and breaks that sweat upon his forehead, seeking after the rizq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for him. And some of the scholars, they say, that is the meaning of this narration, that a believer dies with sweat on his forehead, Meaning that he has been striving during his life. The hadith after that. وعن أبي سعيد وأبي هريرة رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لقنوا موتاكم لا إله إلا الله. Hadith which is in Muslim that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said. لَقِّنُوا مَوْتَاكُمْ Tell those who are dying to say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say these words upon them, remind them to say and to die upon the shahada. Those who are upon the moment of death. المحتضر أَمَّا الْمَيِّتْ فَلَا يُلَقَّنْ بَعْدَ مَوْتِ So prior to somebody dying when they are at the moment of death, then remind them about the shahada. Remind them about tawheed. Remind them about the statement of la ilaha illallah. That there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. In another narration it mentions, man kana akhiru kalamihi la ilaha illallah. 
دخل الجنة Whomsoever dies and his last words were La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. So these are narrations highlighting the importance of dying upon that tawheed. Look at the example also of the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Talib. When he was dying, Abu Talib the kafir. He was the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, but kafir, never became Muslim. Even though he used to help the Prophet ﷺ and protect him against the mushrikeen, he himself was a mushrik though. And so when he was dying, the Prophet ﷺ really wanted him to accept Islam before dying. So he went to him and he began to tell him, Say, La ilaha illallah, uncle. Oh uncle, Ya am, Qul la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah. But in the end, Abu Talib did not say it and he died upon kufr. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ went to visit a Jewish boy. This Jewish boy used to help the Prophet ﷺ, used to serve him, used to do things. So this Jewish boy some illness overcame him and he was about to die. He was on his deathbed. So the Prophet ﷺ went to visit him. Went to visit this Jewish boy. When the Jewish boy was about to die. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ya Ghulam, O boy, قُلْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say, La ilaha illallah. Saying to this Jewish boy, the Prophet ﷺ went to him and said to him, O oh boy, say la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah. So the boy, when the Prophet ﷺ came and said that to him, he's on his deathbed now, this boy, he looked at his father to see what the reaction of his father would be, Jewish. So he looked at his father. When the Prophet ﷺ came and said to him, Oh boy, say la ilaha illallah. He looked at his father to see what his father would say, what his reaction would be to him saying it, if he accepted Islam. So he was looking at his father to see what the reaction would be. فقال, and his father said to him, Abel Qasim. His father said to him, Obey him. Obey Muhammad ﷺ. Obey Abu Qasim. فَقَالَ الشَّاب So the boy said it. He said, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ So the Prophet ﷺ said, أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَنْقَذَهُ بِي مِنَ النَّارِ All praises due to Allah, the one who saved this boy from the fire through me. So that individual, that boy, died upon Islam. His final words, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ There are narrations of other companions like this. Uh, or, or narrations of other uh, uh, people who became Muslim, even if not companion. They became Muslim and they never, that narration about the one who became a Muslim and he never prostrated in his life. He became a Muslim and he never prayed a single prayer because he became Muslim and straight away he was killed in the battle. Never even got a chance to pray his first prayer. But dies upon Islam, dies upon Tawheed. So this is of great importance that a person remembers these affairs of Tawheed. Then after that, this is the narration which causes many people confusion. The narration of Ma'qil, Ma'qil ibn Yasar, radiyallahu anhu. Anna al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, that the Prophet sallallahu said, اقرأوا على موتاكم ياسين Read upon your dead Surah Yasin. So now then Firstly The meaning of the hadith Is not Read upon the ones who have already died Surah Yasin. The meaning of this hadith for a start is read the Yaseen upon the ones who are on their deathbeds. They're about to die. That's the meaning here. It's not he's died and now read Yaseen on top of him. Hadith is meaning read the Yaseen to those who are on their deathbed. They're dying, that's it. 
Read the Yaseen upon them. That's the first meaning of the hadith. As for the one who's died, then absolutely there's no recitation of the Qur'an upon them now. They've died, they've died. It's a bid'ah to start reading the Qur'an now. The Salaf never used to start reading Qur'an upon the ones who died. Rather here it's talking about the ones who is about to die, he's on his deathbed, read the Qur'an to him. Because reading, for example, Surah Yasin, it will be a reminder for the person. You read the Qur'an to a person prior to his death and he listens to the words of Allah, then it will be a reminder for that person. It will be a reminder hearing the words of Allah on his deathbed in his final moments. So the hadith indicates that it is something recommended to recite Surah Yasin on the one who's about to die. Lakin, however, take note. However, this hadith, it is not established. This is why it causes confusion to people. The hadith is not proven. This is a weak hadith about reading the Yasin. Even though it means read it before they die, Definitely doesn't mean read it when they've died. It says before they die. But even then, even then the hadith is still weak. Even about reading it before they've died. So even that, the hadith is weak. And many of the scholars have said this hadith is not authentic at all. About reading the Yasin upon a person, even before they've died on their deathbed, and definitely even after they've died, no evidence saying that you recite the Yasin. That's important to note. Because people say there's a hadith, there's a hadith that says it. Yes, there's a hadith. We've just seen it now. But this hadith is a weak hadith. It is a weak hadith as many of the scholars have mentioned. So this is an issue where it's all about the authenticity of the narrations. Some scholars obviously view that this hadith is Authentic. So some scholars will say, yeah, you can do it. When a person's about to die, he hasn't died yet, he's about to die, you can recite Surah Yasin. Because they say the hadith is okay. But many other scholars, they say the hadith isn't okay, it's weak, so it's not proven to do that. So that is what's mentioned about it. In the hadith of Um Salama, radiyallahu anha qalat, dakhala Rasulullah sallam ala Abi Salama, رضي الله عنه وقد شق بصر فأغمضه ثم قال إن الروح إذا قبضت تبعه البصر فضج الناس من أهله فقال لا تدعوا على أنفسكم إلا بخير فإن الملائكة تؤمن على ما تقولون ثم قال اللهم اغفر لأبي سلمة وارفع درجته في المهديين وافسح له في قبره ونور له فيه واخلفه في عقبه this hadith now tells us that the Prophet ﷺ went to Abu Salama. And Abu Salama radiallahu anhu had already passed away when the Prophet ﷺ arrived. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived, Abu Salama had already just passed away. وَقَدْ شَقَّ بَصَرُ Meaning that he had died and his eyelids were still open. Somebody dies and your eyelids stay open. His eyes are open. So his eyes were open. And when the Prophet ﷺ saw that, that he had passed away and his eyes were open, as occurs, he mentioned, إِنَّ الرُّوحِ إِذَا الْبَصْرِ When the soul is taken, the eyesight follows it. When the soul is taken, the eyesight follows it. معناه أن روح الإنسان إذا قبضتها الملائكة وأخرجتها من جسده فإن البصر ينظر إلى الروح. That when the soul is taken, the eyesight sees it taken. At that last moment of death. 
at the last moment of death, the soul is taken, the eyesight sees it taken. That's what it mentions. يَتْبَعُهَا يَعْنِ يَنْظُرُ إِلَيْهَا So the eyesight sees it. أَيْنَ تَذْهَبْ فَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الرُّوحِ تُرَى وَتُبْصَرْ وَأَنَّهَا عَرَضٌ كَمَا يَقُولُهُ بَعْضُ النَّاسِ لَا أَنَّهَا عَرَضٌ كَمَا يَقُولُهُ بَعْضُ النَّاسِ So this indicates that the soul is seen at that final moment of death. The eyesight sees the soul in that final moment of death. So this indicates the soul is something real that is seen as it exits from the body. فَإِنَّ الرُّوحِ إِذَا قُبِذ So when the angels take the soul of that person, تَبِعَهُ الْبَصَرِ Then the eyesight follows that. Eyesight follows that. ثُمَّ لَا يَرْجِعُ الْبَصَرِ بَلْ يَبْقَى مَفْتُوحًا And then the eyesight after that finishes. That's the last thing it finishes. The eyesight stops there. And so the eyes stay open. Person is dead now. Dies at that moment. The final thing he sees, the soul exiting, and then that's it. So the eyes, they stay open. They remain open on that. Because then he dies. So then the Prophet ﷺ saw this upon Abu Salama. He then closed his eyes. He closed the eyes of Abu Salama. هذا الشاهد من الحديث أغمض عينيه هذا فيه دليل على أن الميت إذا شخص بصره بالوفاء فإنه يغمض ولا يترك مفتوح العينين لما في ذلك من تشويه الصورة فتغمض عيناه نعم So this indicates that one of the things that you do if a person dies like that with the eyes open from having followed the soul being taken and died upon that state you close the eyes of the person. This is how the Prophet ﷺ did to Abu Salama. Didn't just leave him like that, closed his eyes. So when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that, that the eyesight follows the soul at the last moment. So when the people heard that, then they realized Abu Salama has passed away. Then they all realized, maybe they hadn't all fully realized yet. But when the Prophet said that, that the eyesight follows the soul as the last thing now, then closed his eyes, then everybody became a little bit uh, emotional now. Everybody became emotional when they realized that he has passed away. So then the Prophet reminded them, when they all became a little bit emotional and a little bit uh, chaotic, a little bit knowing that he's died now and a bit emotional and everything, then the Prophet ﷺ reminded them, لا تدعوا على أنفسكم إلا بخير To calm them, he said, don't say anything, don't make dua upon yourselves except with goodness. Don't raise your voices, meaning, don't start screaming and shouting, because indeed the angels are present. The angels are present. فَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ الْحَاضِرِينَ وَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ تَحْضُرُ عِنْدَ الْوَفَاءِ أو عِنْدَ الْمُتَوَفَّةِ The angels are present. They come at the time of the death of an individual. And that is mentioned because the angel of death takes the soul and then there are other angels also present who then take that soul onwards. The angel of the death extracts the soul, then there are other helpers of the angel of death. So there are angels present at the time of the death of a person. So when you think about that, if you have seen somebody die in front of you, in those final moments, a person is there, he's breathing, and then he dies. At that moment, you know, even though you do not see, you have iman and you know the angels are there. The angels are there. They have taken his soul and the other angels are there, the helpers of the angel of death. So this occurs at that moment. So the Prophet ﷺ reminded them, don't scream, don't shout, don't do anything which is not from the way of the Muslim. To aminu ala ma taqulun. Because the angels are here and they will be saying, Ameen upon the du'as that you're making. The du'as that you're making now, the angels are here too at the time of the death. They will be saying, Ameen to the du'as you're making. So make the good du'as. Don't make any bad du'as and say bad things. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma ghfir li Abi Salama. Oh Allah, forgive Abu Salama. 
Forgive Abu Salama and raise him in level and open up his grave and enlighten it and leave him with a good offspring and good uh, progeny thereafter. So the Prophet ﷺ made this dua for him at that moment. In the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, another narration talking about death. And this is about the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died, it is mentioned, Anna Aba Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu qabbala al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ba'da mawtihi. That Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu kissed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after his death. After the Prophet sallallahu died, Abu Bakr kissed him upon the head. This shows that in the sunnah it is allowed for the relatives, for the close one, for the beloved of that deceased to kiss that person. لِأَنَّ أَبَا بَكَرْ قَبَّلَ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَإِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يُقَبِّلَهُ أَحَدٌ مِنْ أَقَارِبِهِ أَوْ مِنْ أَحْبَابِهِ فَإِنَّهُ يَجُوزُ لَهُ ذَلِكَ The close relatives, the beloved ones, the close family, they want to kiss that body of the deceased relative of theirs. The close family, you're not talking about everybody, big line and everyone, one hour. That's not the sunnah. But the close relatives, they come, they want to kiss that person on the forehead or something, that's allowed. That is allowed because the Prophet himself kissed some of the ones who died. For example, Uthman ibn Mad'un. When he died, the Prophet ﷺ kissed him. So this indicates that it is permissible to kiss a deceased person after their death for the ones who are close to that person, the beloved ones of him, etc. That is permissible to kiss the body of the deceased after death. Another narration talks about the loans that a person has when he dies. Hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, anil nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qal, nafsu al-mu'mini mu'allaqah bidaynihi, hatta yuqla anhu. That the soul of a person is entrapped, or entrapped, yani it is entrapped, or it is stuck, it is not able to uh, maneuver out until the the debt that the person had is paid off. مُعَلَّقَ بِدَيْنِهِ يعني مُرْتَهَنَ بِدَيْنِهِ وَمَحْبُوسَ بِدَيْنِهِ عند دخول الجنة So it is stuck. Cannot enter paradise until that loan is paid off. وَعَنِ الْمَغْفِرَةِ حَتَّى يُقْضَى عَنْهُ الدَّيْنِ لأنه جاء أن شهيد في سبيل الله وهو أفضل الأموات يغفر له عند أول قطرة من دمه إلا الدين. So the debt needs to be paid off for that deceased. It is even mentioned that when people used to die at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He wouldn't pray the janazah until he would ask the question first to everybody, has this person got any outstanding debts or have they been covered? The Prophet ﷺ would ask, هَلْ عَلَيْهِ دَيْنِ فَإِنْ قَالُوا عَلَيْهِ دَيْنِ تَأَخَّرَ وَأَمَرَهُمْ يصلوا عليه. If that person did have debts to pay off, he would excuse himself and say to the rest, you pray upon him. Pray upon him, but he would excuse himself. And he would not pray upon that person himself. And said to the others, pray upon him. فَلَمَّا فَتَحَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَصَّعَ عَلَيْهِ صَارَ يَتَحَمَّلَ الدِّيُونَ عَنِ الْأَمْوَاتَ الَّذِينَ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ سَدَاتِ It is also mentioned that later on when the Prophet ﷺ was given a little bit more wealth than initially, and the same situation arose, he would pay off the debts of those people himself. He would pay off the debts of those people himself and then pray upon them. So this indicates the serious affair of these uh, loans and debts and that a person needs to attempt to the best of his ability to look after himself 
in the narration it says even if you have to go to the wood and chop down some branches and come and sell them do that use your hands and go work if you have to go to the woods and chop a few branches and sell them do that even better than going around and begging and asking and this and that go and work with the ability Allah has given you even if it means chopping down some wood branches and selling them as firewood or whatever so a person attempts and makes the best of his ability to look after himself and to try and avoid getting into these debts or loans. Of course, sometimes it may be the case, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable, it's unavoidable. You make dua to Allah to make your affair easy and to facilitate your affair for you and that you may be able to exit yourself from those affairs. Then there are some narrations about washing the body of the deceased. Washing the body of the deceased. The hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, لما أرادوا غسل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم died and now they needed to wash his body as is the sunnah how you do it they needed to wash his body قالوا والله ما ندري they said by Allah by Allah we don't know نجرد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كما نجرد موتانا أم لا do we wash the body of the Prophet ﷺ the same as how we wash the normal bodies when people die? Remove the clothes from the top, etc. Obviously the aura is covered. But remove the rest of the clothes like we remove from everybody else and wash them the same way? They said, by Allah, we don't know. What are we supposed to do? Is it the same way? Do we do it the same way or not? And the one who was, uh, the ones who were doing the washing of the body of the Prophet ﷺ, they were Ali ibn Abi Talib and also Abbas who was the uncle of the Prophet Al-Fadl ibn Al-Abbas Al-Fadl, the son of Abbas which means he was therefore the first cousin of the Prophet Usama ibn Zayd and Qutham ibn Abbas They were going to do the washing of the body and the one who actually did the, the physical washing was Ali Ibn Abi Talib. As for the rest of them mentioned here, they were helping him. Ali ibn Abi Talib did the actual washing. Uh, so they said, when they were going to do it, do we do it the same as how we would do with normal bodies? Remove the other garments, everything, and how we would do with the normal bodies? This is the Prophet wasallam. So this was something which was confusing to them. How do we do it? Because obviously the nobility of the Prophet ﷺ, the honor of the Prophet ﷺ, so they weren't sure how to do that. فَبَيْنَمَا هُمْ كَذَلِكَ أَلْقَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمُ النَّوْمِ فَسَمِعُوا مُنَادِيًا يَقُولُ غَسِلُوا رَسُولًا فِي ثِيَابِهِ When they were discussing that, then how do we do it? What are we going to do? Then it's mentioned that Allah cast upon them sleep. And then they heard a voice saying, Wash him in his clothes. Don't take the clothes off. Wash him in his clothes. So they washed the Prophet ﷺ in his clothes. They were pouring the water on top of his garment. And then rubbing and cleaning and washing the Prophet ﷺ with that garment still upon him. That is how they washed him. Pouring the water on top. His garments still on him, and they were rubbing upon that and cleaning and washing in that way. But the point of this hadith is that typically it highlights when you wash the body of a person, you do remove the other garments, but the aura is kept covered, but the remainder of the garments are removed in the washing of that body. Also, when you clothe the deceased to bury, 
then it is preferred that they are clothed in what color? In the white. Hadith of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma anna al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min thiyabikum al-bayad fa'innaha khayru thiyabikum wa kaffinu fiha mawtakum. Wear white garments because that is the best of your garments. White. And shroud the dead in white. Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ also. To shroud the dead in white. In the narration in Sahih Muslim it says, إِذَا كَفَّنَ أَحَدُكُمْ أَخَاهُ فَلْيُحَسِّنْ كَفَنَهُ When one of you shrouds his brother, then make sure that you shroud him well, with honor and dignity and carefully shroud properly. In another narration it mentions hadith of Ali, سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صلى الله عليه وسلم يَقُولُ لَا تُغَالُوا فِي الْكَفَنِ فَإِنَّهُ يُسْلَبُ سَرِعًا The Prophet said, do not be excessive in that shrouding. Don't go and buy gold-plated, which is haram anyway. Don't go and buy expensive and all types of luxury, how people want to bury people now. And they want to make a huge thousands of pounds tomb and grave and this and that and everything. The Prophet said, don't exaggerate in those things. Don't do expensive and wasting. لَا تُغَالُوا فِي الْكَفَنْ Don't go into extravagance in the shrouding. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّهُ يُسْلَبُ سَرِيعًا It will quickly disappear and corrode away. Don't waste your money on those things. Don't be extravagant on those things. And on top of that, as we know, the actual tomb and the graves are not supposed to be extravagant at all. It's a big mistake when you go to the Muslim graveyards now and they look exactly like any other graveyard. All big tombs and writing and beloved father and this and that and flowers and a big section with walls around the grave and everything. Haram. Haram to do that. To build all of these beautiful graves on top. Haram. It's not just something which is disliked. It is not allowed in Islam. Hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said don't do that. It's haram to build these beautiful sh- uh, sh- uh, graves and tombstones and flowers and all these things. It's not the sunnah to do those things at all. So even when you do the shrouding, the Prophet ﷺ said, don't get extravagant. Simple shrouding to bury the person with dignity and honor. There's a hadith here who talks about suicide. A hadith here in Muslim, Sahih Muslim, that talks about suicide. A person who commits suicide. Jabir ibn Samara radiyallahu anhu qal, Utiya al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi rajulin qatala nafsahu bimashaqisa falam yusalli alayhi. That a man was brought to the Prophet sallallahu who had killed himself with like the edge of the spear, used the sharp edge of the spear and killed himself. But in the narration it says, when that man was brought to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ didn't pray the janazah on him. He refused to pray the janazah upon him. This indicates therefore, النهي الشديد عن أن يقتل الإنسان نفسه the severe warning against suicide. Haram to commit suicide for a person to kill himself. Severe warning here. The Prophet ﷺ refused to pray the janazah upon that person. فَقَتْلُ الْإِنسَانِ نَفْسَهُ كَبِيرًا مِنْ كَبَائِرِ الدُّنُوبِ It is a major sin to kill yourself. And that is what they call suicide these days. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِلْإِنسَانَ نَقْتُلَ نَفْسَهُ مَهْمَا أَصَابَهُ مِنَ الشِدَّةِ وَمَهْمَا أَصَابَهُ مِنَ الضِّيقِ عَلَيْهِ نَصْبِرْ وَيَحْتَسِبْ so nobody is allowed to kill themselves. Whatever difficulty arises, then you need to be patient. 
Does this mean that nobody prays janazah upon somebody who committed suicide then? The Prophet ﷺ didn't pray on him. They brought that person to the Prophet ﷺ. He refused to pray the janazah on him. So what does it mean? So the people of authority, the respected imams and scholars, they don't pray janazah on somebody who committed suicide. But the normal people, normal people, the relatives, other people, community, you can go pray. It's allowed for the people to go pray janazah. But the big (coughs) imams, the big uh, scholars, the people of authority and respect, people of station and rank, they don't pray janazah on them. But the normal people, they can go pray janazah. Why do the people of respect and authority and the scholars not pray upon them? So that it can be a lesson to everybody else. That this person committed suicide, look the imam won't even come and pray janazah on him. He committed suicide, that's why the imam won't even go near him and pray janazah on him. That shows to everybody it was wrong what he did. The normal people, they go pray janazah on him. But when they see, look, the imam, he's not even coming, he won't, he refuses. He won't pray janazah on him. It's gonna affect everybody. They're gonna think, okay, you know what? That's a really bad thing he did suicide. The imam won't even come pray janazah on him. So it teaches everybody a lesson. So the big people, the imams and those people, they're not supposed to pray janazah on somebody who commits suicide. But the normal people, they can go and pray their janazah. He still dies as a Muslim. Suicide doesn't make you a kafir. Still a Muslim, but it's a major sin that he's committed. It's a major sin. Punishment could be uh, liable upon that person. What about the issue of, and we'll make this the final issue, praying janazah upon somebody after the janazah has already been prayed. You missed it. Are you allowed to go and pray the janazah again? They already died, everybody did the janazah, you missed it. Are you allowed to go pray janazah upon that person again by yourself? You missed the first one, the actual janazah. So, there's a hadith of Abu Hurairah in Bukhari Muslim. There's a hadith that talks about this topic. It's about a woman who used to sweep up the mosque. Used to sweep up the mosque of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. She used to sweep up the mosque of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And she used to obviously clean up the mosque and do those types of things. So one day, the Prophet ﷺ didn't notice where she's gone. So he asked everybody, what's, where's that woman gone who used to clean the mosque and everything? She used to be around, what's happened? So then they said to the Prophet ﷺ, she died. She died. قَالُوا مَاتَتْ So the Prophet ﷺ said, أَفَلَا كُنْتُمْ آذَنْتُمُونِي That you should have told me. He said to them, you should have told me. Nobody told me that this woman who used to clean the mosque and everything and she's died. You should have told me she died. Nobody told me she died. يعني أعلم تموني بموتها فكأنهم صغروا أمرها It's because maybe everybody thought she's just one of the normal locals who just comes and cleans the mosque. It's no big deal to tell the Prophet ﷺ she's died. She's not anybody important. So maybe they didn't tell the Prophet ﷺ and didn't inform him. Because they thought it's no big deal, she's just one of the locals, just cleans the mosque and goes. No big deal, she's nobody important. So they didn't tell the Prophet ﷺ. But he said to them, you should have told me. Nobody told me that she's passed away. Uh, so the companions and the others, they thought it would just be a burden upon the Prophet ﷺ. With all of the other responsibilities and the duties, they thought it would just be a burden upon him to tell him about the janazah of this woman and for him to then attend that janazah and take time for that as well. They thought it would just be a burden upon him. It's not a big deal. The rest of us will pray the janazah on her. So they thought we won't burden the Prophet ﷺ with this news. So they didn't tell him. Uh, and also it's mentioned in some narrations that it was at night when she died. It was at night when she died. So they didn't want to go and disturb the Prophet ﷺ, take up his time, disturb him at night. So they did everything themselves, did the janazah and just did it. But afterwards when the Prophet ﷺ found out, he said, no, but you should have told me. You should have told me. Nobody told me. So then he said to them, Daluni, Duluni ala qabriha. Show me where her grave is, where you buried her. Show me where her grave is, where you buried her. Fadaluhu. So they went and showed him where that grave is. Fasalla alayha. So he prayed the janazah himself as well. They had already prayed. They'd done it all. 
But then when he found out, he said, show me where is he, he should have told me. So then he went himself and prayed the janazah on her too. So this indicates now, he prayed the janazah upon her because he had missed the original janazah. They hadn't told him, they didn't want to burden him. But then when the Prophet ﷺ found out, he said, show me. And then he went and prayed the janazah upon her. So this indicates that praying at the graveyard, at the grave, is permissible for the janazah. For the janazah prayer, it's allowed. لِمَنْ فَاتَتُهُ الصَّلَاةُ عَلَى الْجَنَازَةِ For the one who missed it, you can go there at the grave and it can be prayed. فَمَنْ فَاتَتُهُ الصَّلَاةُ عَلَى الْجَنَازَةِ فَإِنَّهُ يُسَلِّ عَلَى الْقَبْرِ بَعْدَ دَفْنِهِ So that person can go and pray the janazah at the grave if he had missed the original janazah. And this is a general ruling which is allowed. A general ruling which is allowed. وَعَلَى هَذِهِ وَعَلَى غَيْرِهَا فِي عِدَّةِ وَقَاعِ فَلَمَّا كَانَ غَائِبًا وَتُوُفِيَ الْبَرَاءِ إِبْنُ مَعْرُورِ كَانَ لَبِسَ سَلَّمَ لَمَّا قَدِمَا سَأَلَ عَنْ قَبْرِهِ وَصَلَّ عَلَيْهِ بَعْدَ شَهْرِ In one narration, there was uh, 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 one of the companions who died a month later when the Prophet ﷺ was able uh, from when he arrived and he came back. Then when he found out about it, it was a month later, he still went and prayed the janazah upon that person. When he arrived a month later and he found out about this. وَكَانَ أَيْضًا غَائِبًا فَمَاتَتْ أُمْ سَعَدِ بْنُ عَبَادَةً رضي الله تعالى عنها فلما جاء نبي سلم على قبرها وتوفي شاب ولم يصلي عليه نبي سلم فذهب وصلى على قبره فالوقائع التي صلى بها نبي سلم على القبر كثيرة The point here the Sheikh is saying there's actually several times several times different people that the Prophet ﷺ missed their original janazah and went and prayed later on. There are several stories where that happened. إِمَّا أَنَّهُ لَمْ يُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ قَبْلَ الدَّفَنِ وَإِمَّا أَنَّهُ وَجَدَ نَاسًا يُصَلُّونَ فَصَلَّ مَعَهُمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ قَدْ صَلَّ عَلَيْهِ قَبْلَ الدَّفَنِ يَكُنُ تَابِعًا وَأَنَّهُمْ طَلَبُوا مِنْهُ أَنْ يَأَمَّهُمْ أَنْ يَأَمَّهُمْ فِي الصَّلَاءِ لِكَوْنِهِمْ أَحْسَنَهُمْ فَيَأَمُّهُمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ قَدْ صَلَّ عَلَيْهِ قَبْلَ الدَّفَنِ فَإِذَا كَانَتْ صَلَاةٌ عَلَى الْقَبْرِ لِسَبَبٍ مِنَ الْأَسْبَابِ فَلَا بَأْسَ بِذَلِكَ the point the shaykh is making is that if there is a reason like that, it is allowed to pray the janazah on the grave. At the grave there, at that place of burial, you can pray the janazah. In these instances where you've missed it, etc. The scholars have differed though. Is there a time period? Like imagine you find out you've been traveling somewhere, you come back six months later, you find out somebody in the community died. Six months later, can you still go to their grave now and say, I've been away, I just came back, I found out I'm going to go pray janazah as well. Can you still do that or not? Is there a time period you can do it or is there after a time period you can't do it anymore? So the scholars, they differed. Scholars, they differed. Some scholars said only up to a month. If you find out within a month, you can go and pray it as well. But if it's more than that, some scholars said you can't do it. فَحَدَّدَ الْحَنَابِلَ الصَّلَاءَ عَلَى الْقَبْرِ إِلَى شَهْرَ Some of the scholars said up to a month. Within a month, if you find out, you can go and do it. Some scholars said there's no time period. If you've been away somewhere, you've been in a different country, something, months later you come back and they tell you somebody in the community, one of your friends died. So you say, oh, in that case I'm going to go as well, I'm going to go play janazah, I was away all this time, I just came back. Some scholars say you can do it still, even if it's months later. Some scholars, some scholars do have that opinion. Because there is no evidence in the sunnah anywhere for a time restriction. There is no evidence about a time restriction as such. Um... Now, so the point of this narration is to highlight that this is possible to be done. It is possible to be done to pray upon somebody who you missed the janazah for, that you can go to the grave and pray at the grave for that person if you had missed the janazah initially. And that is proven by this hadith about the woman who used to clean up the mosque. And there are other narrations where that occurred also. One last thing we will mention though before we conclude, one more hadith which is about, or two more hadith. One is about an-na'i. Anna Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam kana yanha an-na'i. An-na'i, this is when somebody dies, and people, they announce the death of the person, they announce the death of the person, uh, in a manner which 
is public widespread announcement. Like newspapers. You have these sections in newspapers, they put down death of such and such. Public announcements like that are not suitable. It is not from the sunnah that somebody dies, you make huge public announcements everywhere, all of the places and you spread messages and on the internet and uh, Facebook and all the places such and such in the community has died. It's not from the sunnah to do these huge announcements and advertisements and then wait for people to come. You're not supposed to wait for people to come, you know, even if your own family. Imagine somebody died now, imagine like now in Pakistan or something. Somebody dies in Pakistan, they're not supposed to wait for you to catch your flight and get there 48 hours later before the janazah. That's against the sunnah. They're supposed to bury the person, even if it was your father or your mother. The sunnah is they bury the person. When you get there, you can pray your janazah. You can pray your janazah when you get there, on the grave. But for them to delay the janazah, say, no, just keep the body in the morgue, whatever. Let the sons come from England or whatever. It'll take them three days. They couldn't get a ticket. Three days, we'll do the janazah later on. No, that's wrong. Do the janazah. When they come, they can go pray on the on the grave. Like this hadith says, they can go to the grave and they can pray. Their father, their mother, whoever it was. But don't delay the janazah. Don't do these massive announcements and all the families going to come from UK, from America, from everywhere. They're going to take a week all of them, get the tickets and get there. Then you're going to do the janazah. That's wrong. So this type of big announcements and waiting for everybody to come is not the right way. Person dies, quickly bury the person. The relatives, the friends, the community, they are there. Bury that person. Anybody who couldn't make it straight away, then let them, whenever they arrive, they can go and pray in the janazah. Nobody's stopping them. We said here it's allowed to do that. But don't delay the janazah waiting for them. That is not the sunnah. And the final thing is a niyaha. And that is, when a person dies, the screaming and shouting that people get involved in. The Prophet ﷺ said, لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ ضَرَبَ الْخُدُودِ not from amongst us. It is not the way of the Muslims, the Prophet said. That when somebody dies, you start beating yourself, screaming and beating yourself like women do and people do. And start tearing your clothes and here and there and moving and shaking and tear, ripping your clothes and hitting yourself and doing all that kind of stuff. Haram. It is a major sin to behave like that when somebody dies. Start screaming and shouting and falling and tearing your hair and hair and everything, clothes and hitting yourself. Haram. And screaming and shouting. Why? Why did he have to die? And why this and why that? All that type of behavior is a major sin called niyaha. It's in the books. It's in the, it's in the hadith. Haram to scream and shout and do those types of things when somebody dies. You're supposed to be patient knowing this is the decree of Allah. So you don't behave in that way of screaming and shouting and hitting yourself and tearing your clothes and why this and why him and all those kinds of things people do. You don't talk like that, you don't behave like that at death. If you do, it is a major sin. You're supposed to be patient and accept the decree of Allah. So those are some of the things linked to the janazah. There are more things, but the time is a bit short about going to the janazah prayer, following the janazah to the graveyard, up to the burial. There are great rewards for that. It's, a, it's an ibadah, it's worship. Go and pray janazah, you get reward for doing it. Then stay with the janazah all the way to the graveyard, go there, follow them, bury them, do everything all the way to the end, you get even more reward. Somebody who just prays janazah, you get a certain amount of reward. But if you carry on after the janazah, go all the way to the graveyard, bury everything, you get double the reward. That's mentioned in the narrations. Qirat and qiratan. One reward of qirat worth for the one who prays the janazah, but you get double if you carry on and go to the graveyard and bury that Muslim of yours. So there is a great reward in the janazah prayer and going to the graveyard. This is from the honor that you give to the Muslim who has died. Make dua for that Muslim. It's mentioned in some narrations about 40 people of Tawheed praying the janazah upon a person, how that is something of benefit to him in terms of the shafa'ah, in terms of some goodness for him. So a person needs to uh, examine these affairs and be upon knowledge regarding them. That is something brief about these issues of janazah that we said we'd mentioned last time. Next week we'll carry on from the bit where we left off, which was now about the blowing of the trumpet, uh, uh, and the accountability and the weighing scales on the Day of Judgment. Your good deeds, your bad deeds are all going to be weighed up. 
That is the topic we'll carry on then from next week, insha'Allah ta'ala. At the same time, we'll conclude upon that today. If there's any questions, we can do them now. Otherwise, we'll leave it there.